Welcome back to the FNF Coaches Podcast. Before we welcome today's guest, I want to share with listeners that we are going to press on our summer edition of FNF Coaches, which has an innovation and technology theme. Our summer edition is a 48-page publication which will be distributed in high schools across the country, in addition to being available as a digital publication. Visit fnfcoaches.com and look for the subscribe tab to have this publication mailed to your home or school office. Today's guest is Armwood High School head coach Evan Davis. The Tampa Bay, Florida High School is one of the premier programs in the state of Florida and the entire country. Coach Davis, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. You guys do uh, phenomenal work for the high school level, exposure for programs of all levels, uh, and uh, really uh, an honor to be on with you guys today. Well, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, We wanted to have you on just to kind of give other coaches an idea of um, what they can be doing to kind of not battle the pandemic, because obviously we don't have control over that, but kind of lead your team through this really uh, uncertain time. What, how are things going for your team, and what, what what kind of phase in terms of your comeback are you in right now? Yeah, I mean, we're doing well, right? We're trying to focus as much as we can on preparation. We're trying to focus on a season and football and the game. Kind of take the kid's mind away from it, right? Almost make it a relief on a daily basis to get back to some uh, semblance of normalcy, and that's what our, our workouts are doing. So in, in Hillsborough County, which is in it's Tampa, Florida, and obviously our – state has had a spike in numbers here over the last you know two to three weeks so uh, we've had a three-phase system here in the county that our county has allowed us in the first two weeks we had to be outside and groups couldn't be more than 20 uh, at a time including coaches and now we're up to 40 a group uh, and we can use our weight room but we can't uh, back spot anybody or overhead spot anybody so when you talk about um, you know using you know the squat and uh, bench press so um, you know, we have sanitation. Our county's done a great job of giving us sanitation spray, and we're able to wipe down the weights in, in between uh, reps and everything, and really just emphasizing to our kids um, that we have to create kind of our own bubble. Uh, and, and what do I mean by that is um, we, we have not been wearing masks uh, as a football team together as we work out, um, but I stress to them just as, you know, kind of when you're sitting in your house with your family, you're not wearing a mask. Well, we are uh, our own bubble, so we need to really protect what we're doing. And so when we're not together as a team or you're not sitting in your home, you need to be wearing a mask. You need to try to social distance. You need to wash your hands um, and, and be ready to go protect us, protect your game. This, and that's our role as coaches and players to kind of protect ourselves. We don't have that bubble like an NBA might per se have. Yeah. Now, if we could go back a little bit, I know during during the stoppage in play or the stay at home or quarantine or whatever you want to call it, a lot of coaches, especially coaches at public high schools, um, did not know what their athletes really had for access to weight room equipment or that type of stuff at home. They also, you know, we talked to a lot of coaches who tried to check in as much as they could. A lot of them did the Zoom calls, team wide position groups, all those types of things. And they tried to kind of make sure and monitor the mental health of their players. When your guys came back, were there any surprises in terms of guys not being in as good a shape as you thought they were? Or were you pleasantly surprised and that, you know, maybe they were a little bit more engaged than you thought? Yeah, I think I would say we were pleasantly surprised. Um, you know, we would send our kids weekly workouts, but uh, per restrictions in our 
our county, we couldn't do like the Richard Simmons, everybody get on a Zoom call and do a, a you know, a workout together and see each other do that kind of stuff. Um, so we would send them the workouts and it was kind of on them, they had a full body using what they had uh, at home. But our kids worked their butts off and really there wasn't much else to do. So I don't know why I would have been surprised, but you know, it takes a level of commitment to get your butt up every morning and do it. And uh, I was very, very surprised uh, with our kids, you know, cardiovascularly, uh, we might not have done as much, but um, you talk about, you know, I think football shape, I'm thinking weight room and, and being physically, your, your muscles being physically prepared. And I think our kids came back uh, in really, really good shape. You know, we had a phenomenal six weeks to start our off season and that's when hit, uh, you know, spring break hit and then we never went back. And so I was kind of worried about a little bit of a drop off, but we've had kids make huge gains here um, over the, over the little bit that we had a break and now we're able to, go back and, you know, wait, phase two, phase one for us when we went back, right. Had to all be outside. Well, uh, I guess I was the crazy one that I've took our whole weight room outside. So we've been lifting now, uh, since that second week of June, when we could go back. So, you know, we've been a month with weights, which is so huge. I think, and when this first broke out, I think that, you know, there was a meeting between the, the higher ups at the, the collegiate and NFL level. And, you know, they say it usually takes about six weeks to, uh, be football, in, in football shapes and that was why there was a big push to do the OTAs at the at the collegiate level and that was you know our aim point was July 27th so I think that's right where we're at that would have put us right at six weeks here so um, we've checked in with them in zoom during everything uh, but we weren't obviously allowed to hold the uh, the workouts but definitely pleasantly surprised uh, at the end of the day with them being committed but that's the type of group we had like I said I've had the best start of six weeks that we ever had uh, when we first started this whole workout. Yeah, and a lot of the stuff you see on the virus tells us uh, it's safer to be outside. Um, how? Do, but I think a lot of coaches probably heard that and said, you know, how do you move your weight room outside? How do you keep it dry when it rains? What is, what is that, the process of getting all that, all the equipment outside and then making sure it's protected through, you know, bad weather? Yeah, so, I mean, now that was the first two weeks, right? So now we're back able to use our weight room. So our weights are inside. Um, but yeah, we, when that process was happening, we had, um, you know, we weren't allowed to use towels, right. Cause you have cross contamination, right? Like I don't want the kid to wipe one face and then do that. So, um, we had coaches towels that if that were there for emergency reasons. And if it started to rain, we were going to throw them over the top of the, the weights and stuff and, and try to keep safe. And we had a little, we had a little booth outside. So we literally every day we were, you know, a little ticket booth right by the, the track that we were putting all the weights in every single day and we take them all out for the workout and we put them all back in to try to keep them there. And, you know, the God blessed, God blessed us that we didn't have to um, go uh, and deal with any weather because we couldn't go inside the two weeks either. That was a kind of a crazy thing. So uh, it, we were blessed that we didn't have to uh, deal with that uh, by having to go inside and deal with weather. But if I was a coach, you know, I would have something prepared to put your kids underneath the shelter and, and kind of write it out. And if you couldn't, you know, come back the next day, you know, take every single rep uh, as a blessing right now. So if you don't get your whole workout in, it was, it was better than us not getting one in at all. So. Yeah, that's true. Uh, now I think a lot, well, a lot of what coaches worried about during the spring is spring is typically the time of year when you're trying to establish a culture and kind of build your momentum uh, heading into the summer when, you know, you really need guys to be together and you need to have established your leaders how do you build the culture during the pandemic or how did you try to keep guys together and unified during that uh, period? 
Yeah. So what we would do is, um, you know, one of the things we, the key word is culture right now, everywhere. Culture, culture. Well, well, what the heck does that look like? Right. And um, so many of my kids, you know, so last year we, we were fortunate the previous two years to play in a state championship. Last year, we third round, we beat a nationally ranked uh, Lakeland high school. And then we go play Orlando Edgewater and we lose a game. And I, you know, they, Orlando Edgewater is stupid talented, extremely well coached. I, we made a lot of errors and we had just a bad week of practice. And I think it came down to character flaws. And so I'm thinking to myself, like, how do I get my kids to understand accountability and, and, and love and action? And what are we doing? So we spent our off season, uh, we only lifted. We'd lift Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Wednesday. We did character development for an hour, and we brought all the kids into a classroom. We sat down and we talked about what does accountability look like? What does it mean? What does love mean? Love is actions, and we split them up into groups. And we're having, you know, grown men style talks with each other, which was so big for us. And uh, we were able to then continue that in the Zoom meeting. So we would meet as a we would obviously meet position wise, and then we meet offense defense, and then we would meet with with our groups to discover, uh, to continue to discuss uh, our character building, because I think those character elements are what make uh, make the word culture really exist. Yeah. I, and now what are your, uh, as you as you move into the fall, where are you in Florida as the season? Because there's a whole article on Max Preps, I saw it today, on like where every state is. So many states are postponed um, a couple of weeks at least, and then some of them are talking about moving to the spring. Where are you guys on it, and what do you, what would you like to see happen? Like uh, I, I've heard coaches say they wouldn't mind being in the spring because then you kind of get the whole build up in the fall, and you rather than be rushed into like a three week uh, training camp before you would have your first game. Where do you stand on it? Yeah, um, I, I, my biggest stance is I want our kids to be safe and coaches so whatever is going to be the safest route for for them uh and and, and the possibility of being able to play uh our state has a board meeting on monday and uh we'll know a little bit we're we're supposed to start july 27th our first day in helmets i imagine that we're probably going to get bumped back in from what i heard was august 10th um but our local county and a lot of counties around us now have pushed back the start of the school year from August 10th to uh, August 24th. So uh, we have a lot in, lot up in the air right now. The good thing is no one's making a definitive call yet. Um, and we have a lot of, you know, we've seen a lot of other states, you know, there's a couple of independent school districts in Texas that have backed it up. Some have moved to uh, the spring and some have just moved forward, right? I want what's, I want what's best for our kids overall, you know, uh, concerns if we move it to the spring, for me, you know, just football coach, well, I thought probably my best three players are going to be mid-year grads, and there's no way in heck I'm going to ask them to, you know, stay around and play another, you know, another year. Not that they wouldn't want to, but uh, that's that's selfish of me. So we'd probably lose two or three of our top players if we played in the spring. Um, and what I'm hoping for is that we could possibly, you know, delay the start a couple weeks and continue to uh, move forward. Uh, week by week and, and come up with guidelines about if someone tests positive, what's going on and everything with that. Uh, but there's so many questions to be answered. And uh, the FHSAA is not giving a lot of our school districts um, a lot of guidance. So we'll see what happens from what I'm hearing is they're going to just kind of put it back on the school districts and see what they decide to do. Yeah. And what about the recruiting side of things? You, you mentioned your top three guys are already committed. They're going to be um, mid-year grads. But what about 
Are there guys that were kind of right on the border of, you know, getting recruited, hadn't hadn't made off, hadn't accepted offers yet or hadn't been given offers yet that are there ways? What would you recommend to guys who are trying to get looks and they're trying to get seen? But there's obviously no college campuses right now. uh, Campus visits. It's a dead period. What can what can players be doing about recruiting? Yeah, no doubt. So you obviously it's it's a different world, right? And it seems absolutely crazy. You know, we probably still have. 10 or 15 seat, not 15, you know, maybe that's a little high, but 12 to 15 seniors that are hoping to get college scholarships. And we lose spring football. We've lost summer. We've lost contact. So, you know, one of the things I've thought about doing, and I've talked a little bit with the coaches and it'll take a work on our end. Uh, and even some of our under underclassmen, I think I have two or three uh, juniors to be that are legit ballers um, that were kind of just biding their time, you know, letting the older guys play and, and go to college and they would have offers right now. So I've talked to my coaches and like I said, it's going to take some video support about probably doing, possibly doing some like uh, pro day style stuff, right? Like throwing routes on airs, doing some pass, pass pro one-on-one stuff. You know, I have a, a kid who's going to play tackle for me this year. That's six, five, two sixty-five and play basketball his whole life. And if we would have had spring football, he probably, and he's a, has a 1100 SAT. He's a 5.0 student probably would have a crap ton of offers, but no one has seen him yet. So I'm display, you know, um, if your coaches could put together kind of a pro day style thing and, and communicate with colleges. And that's the other thing that's kind of weird right now, Dan, is that, um, the colleges are in a weird spot, right? Uh, they are trying to figure out are they in OTAs, are they going to play, or who are they going to play? And so they're in a different world, too. And as football coaches and players, we're such creatures of habit. They're adjusting on the fly right now, too. So I don't know how much time they put into recruiting. Um, they put in some into evaluation. But a lot of kids are kids coming up. You know, they're going to need to know and see. And so, like I said, I think we – We've learned to possibly doing a pro day for our kids just to showcase them and see what they what they look like so the colleges could see them kind of if they came through the spring and so on. Yeah, I wondered about colleges too because who knows what their budgets are going to look like. Uh, some of these conferences have already cut games and said they're only going to play a conference schedule next year. So who knows if they're going to have the same number of scholarships. And then do you want to bring in, you know, make a lot of offers to guys to come in next year if you're not sure what the season's going to look like. I wondered the same thing, like what are colleges doing to uh, to handle this. One other thing I wondered is, you know, a, such a big part of keeping the fans engaged with high school football is having them come to the games on Friday nights and having those youth players come to the games and see the high school guys and kind of look up to them and say, hey, I want to be them someday. If you can't have fans in the fall, how can you keep those fans engaged, whether it be, you know, streaming games or, you know, social media or what, what, will, we, what will you do to try to keep fans engaged? Yeah, we're, we'll definitely try to stream games. Uh, you know, our county has done the NFHS website uh, where they're, you know, they put the camera on that covers the motion and everything. And uh, there's a couple of different forums that let you be able to allow people to pay to have access to your your live stream games. And obviously some teams do YouTube. So I, they, I think people will be fiending for football. So I don't think that it'll be a problem trying to keep that connection. It'll just be, how will I get that connection? Right. And we're, we're a program that we're fortunate. We've, we've been successful, but we don't have a whole lot of money. So having like a whole TV crew out there to film for YouTube and all that kind of stuff is probably out of question for us. But, um, 
being able to have our kids film and everything available through huddle or or quick cut whatever form you're using uh is huge you know and quick cut uh kind of a cool thing that they were doing is they offered you know to have access through uh, a live stream of your film there so and you could sell access so that might be something to do there and you know i think if the counties and the schools are smart they'll start you know putting together season packages you know you get an idea what your season is and give that option to people where they could watch the game uh, on computers on a live stream or something like that. Yeah, we've been uh, talking to a few different companies that are doing that. And even like, you know, if you have a password protected site where you have to buy season tickets to get the streaming, you can also set up fundraising through the site too. So right, that people... yes, that's huge, right? For high school programs that, and we're a centralized funded uh, county, so we get none of our gate. So uh, that's not something we rely on, but some of these, small, you know, uh, area schools and, and obviously bigger schools or country eye on that gate. So they got to figure out how are they going to get another revenue form. And like you said, fundraising and being able to sell your film access to your film to watch games, I think would be huge and really keep some programs on, uh, afloat, uh, economically and financially playing. Yeah, one thing, I mean, the the thing that all football coaches, regardless of budget size, had in common this spring is, you know, we were all going through it together for the first time. No one had been through anything where you're trying to do all this remote learning and you're trying to do the Zoom calls and figure out how to keep the guys lifting at home. And um, I I wonder, from your perspective, uh, you're, I guess we're starting to see t- uh, states start to decide what type of level of remote learning they're going to do in the fall, if any. A lot of people are pushing to be in school all the time. But if we do have to scale back and kind of do another you know, few weeks of quarantine before we come out of it or do any of that remote learning thing again, what, what types of lessons did you learn? What did you learn about your team in the spring that you think you'll put into practice if we do have to have that type of learning environment again in the fall? Yeah, I mean, we we could obviously learn. I think you know we can do a lot more over Zoom, right? Like I don't have, I don't need to have uh, coaches come in on Sunday, right, to watch film. We can watch it on Zoom. We can be able to have staff meetings on Zoom, you know, from your house. That takes away, you know, whether it's a ten minute drive to school or a forty five minute drive to school. That's more time to get with your family. So um, having that accessibility, having position coaches watches watching film with their kids. Uh, is so key now. We've learned that. I, you know, I had no idea what Zoom was and this capability prior to this. Um, also, you know, having our kids just be accountable from home and checking their grades and being ready to do that kind of stuff, I think is extremely important. And we learned, we became much more of a, we thought we were a tech-savvy uh, society before. I think our generation of kids right now and even coaches have become even more tech-savvy because we were on it. But I think that's the kind of the beauty of being a football player and football coaches we're used to adapting. You know, I think that you have to be able to do that to survive uh, on a Friday night and in our game as a whole. So I think if anybody was able to get through this and learn, I think it was definitely uh, this group of people. That's interesting that you say, um, and no, that is something like zoom for Saturday, Sunday meetings. That makes all the sense in the world and figuring out how to use zoom will probably save a lot of people time on, you know, just even the trip into the building to go watch your film together. It's funny that you say that, though, because I have two kids um, who did the remote learning thing in the spring and they they hate Zoom. They're so done with it. And I just figured like right. I didn't know how I, I didn't know if coaches would feel the same way after doing it all spring. Like, hey, I don't ever want to see Zoom again. But that it, you're right. It, it can save time and have use 
in certain situations, you probably don't want to do it a hundred percent of the time. Right. No doubt. No doubt. Like we're, we'll still meet on Saturdays to review film and stuff in person, but you know, a Sunday kind of game plan for the next week. I don't think there's a need, you know, because there, there is some value. Uh, there's not some, there is a lot of value in being able to spend time with him. And, uh, it's about the minutes and hours you get to spend with them during seasons. So, I mean, if I can save an extra 30 minutes to an hour, hour and a half for my coaches to spend with their family on a Sunday, that's huge. Um, so that's extremely important. I think we're able to to learn from that and, and become a better, you know, group of people because of uh, our learned skills through this. And, you know, the, the, the remote learning, um, I think, will look a little bit different. It'll probably be a little more structure and a little more intense uh, this go around uh, for uh, schooling. But I think our kids will be ready for it. You know, I think there was such a, a huge learning curve in just learning from a computer, you know, uh, reading every single day from a computer, you know, our kids so many times just receive verbal instruction. Now they're actually having to read through instructions to be able to comprehend everything. And it seems like such a simple and basic skill, but um, it wasn't right. And we started to learn and adapt and from it. Yeah. What about uh, like from the mental health side of it? You think, I think about that sometimes with my own kids where, Day to day, like I don't really notice it because you. what are you going to do? You just keep going. You do the best you can. You kind of put one foot in front of the other and, you know, just suck it up. But I think if you had told me in March, like, hey, look, you're not going to leave the house for two months with the exception of, you know, the occasional uh, trip to the grocery store or something like that, then the kids aren't going to go back to school from March until hopefully, you know, end of August, early September. And that, like, I would be worried about the toll that's going to take from a mental health perspective, not only for myself, but for my kids and, you know, student athletes all over the country. Do you worry about that? And what can you do to kind of check in on that? Yeah, no, I agree 100% with you. And that's where um, I think you have to become much more focused on yourself might be sound too selfish, but you have to really give yourself a set schedule. You need to prioritize. You need to be able to say, hey, I need to do this on Monday. I need to be able to do this on Tuesday because it keeps you goal-oriented and focused moving forward. You know, as a football coach outside, you know, I know what Monday is entailing and I know what I need to get accomplished on a Monday. On a Tuesday, I know what I need to get accomplished. You know, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, with the e-learning and everything, like you said, you were kind of like just going through the motions. So I think you need to be able to stay motivated. I think you need to still stay goal-orientated and, and give yourself standards that you have to reach on a, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis so you don't get bogged down because you very easily could get bogged down. And like you said, I mean, shoot, I dealt with it a couple of weeks ago. You know, we're lifting and I'm spending time up at school just trying to get ready for a season. And I come home and turn on the news and these numbers going up in our state. And I'm like, man, what am I, am I just wasting time right now? And really check myself and say, you know what? Uh, even if we don't get to play, I, I got to get my kids into college. If uh, I got to figure out that way and I got to make sure they're still ready for school academically, you know? So I just had to kind of recharge the batteries and refocus on things instead of just, but looking at those numbers, I had to refocus on setting goals and the standards and, and checkoff lists so that I could uh, stay, you know, keep the edge on what I was trying to do and keep that. That's my sense of normalcy and the whole thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's interesting because we are um, do, working on a story kind of along those lines of 
uh, you know, when you're in season, it's easy. Monday, you do this. Tuesday, you do this. Wednesday is this. Friday night's a football game. You know, maybe Saturday's film and Sunday, come, you know, start working on your game plan type of thing. And then that to-do list uh, that you said where you're checking things off completely changes. What, and so you said, you know, recruiting's a big thing. What are some other things that are go onto that to-do list when you get out of that regular Monday through Saturday, you know, schedule? Yeah, so it's uh, you know, I'm gonna spend um, I'm gonna spend an hour every day reading a book. I'm gonna spend you know, I'm gonna watch 30 minutes of film every single day on a different and start game planning and breaking down film. There, I'm gonna uh, spend an hour a day cutting up our high school film to send it out to a college. I'm gonna spend you know an, another 30 minutes with um, you know making sure that. Uh, you know, my kids are doing the right stuff academically, you know, being ready, set up for their schedules for next year or graduating early or whatever it might be if they're making up a course over uh, the summer. So like just trying to give yourself a schedule and a checklist so that you can be ready to go uh, and feeling accomplished, right? Like so much is got to be that that motivation. If you're in the house quarantine, you know, like what is your motivation? What is giving what are you feeling? Uh, the moving forward to the whole piece and, and that's where that check off list and like you said getting getting spreading you know, I, I gotta still organize meals right I gotta figure out you know if each kid has to bring a water bottle I gotta make sure I communicate that right we our player packs this year included masks so making sure we have designs for masks and ready to go with that and and personalize so my kids can have masks if we're in school and out there uh, in, in a closed in so so many little just different things that we can't even think about that are coming and, and checking on stuff coming in from, you know, from our resources uh, outside in terms of equipment and all that kind of stuff and making sure that's ready to go. So um, a, a different world, but just making sure that you're ready to go on a daily basis uh, for and preparing for the full season ahead of us. Yeah, I was talking to a coach in Texas the other day, and it's probably not as much of a problem in a lot of other states where, you know, Texas, they have like 150 kids in the program and, you know, these huge teams. Right. Um, but he was saying, you know, initially they came back, they could work out in groups of 10 or 20. Like you said, it was smaller groups. And the, co the coach I was talking to was like, you know, I haven't been doing anything for so long. I don't mind going in and having, you know, to meet with 10 different groups throughout the course of the day to do their weight room. Cause I haven't been working for two or three months in this capacity. You know, everybody's working, but it's not yep. what he's used to. And I was like, I don't know how sustainable that is, you know, to do over the course of, you know, two or three months to break down these smaller groups and you're working instead of going in for one lift a day, you're going through four or five. And now it sounds yeah. like the groups are coming back. You're, you're allowed to work out with larger groups. Do you worry that the, everybody's going to be a little bit more overworked or do you have to delegate more to seniors and captains if you do have to work out in these smaller groups? Uh, I don't worry about the extra work. I, I the, the reason I would worry about the extra work is because in my mind, we would be moving backwards at that point, right? Like we need to be progressing into bigger groups so that we can play the game of football uh, and, and practice. Because if we're going back, still having to stay in those smaller groups, I think we become even further away from uh, our ultimate dream and goal which is to play this year. So uh, that would be my only work. I don't think, I mean, I think football coaches by nature are used to working and grinding. So, um, but I think that's where you talk about the mental health issue. You say, all right, I'm going to go work for 10, 10 hours and do 10 different groups, but 
man, am I getting any closer to our end result? You know, again, that's the kind of it. our schedules as football coaches are, bro, you know, you know that, all right, if I'm in March, I need to be working out. I mean, progressing towards spring ball. And at the end of spring ball, I need to be evaluating and getting equipment and stuff ready for summer. And as the summer closes, I need to be wrapping up seven on spin and preparing more run game stuff so that I can be, you know, a little more 50-50 going in. You know, so we have that very – as a football coach, you know what time of year it is and what you should be doing. And that's the hard part right now. I think that's the mental health aspect that you were talking about is if I'm working 10 hours a day, working towards a goal, but you don't know when this 10 hours a day, 10 people at a group is going to end. And we're going to, even if we're going to get that end result, if that makes sense to you. Yeah, it it definitely does. I also wanted to talk about like booster clubs, fundraising, all that stuff obviously has been largely impacted by this thing because a lot of, a lot of teams do like golf tournaments or they do, um, you know, fundraisers at restaurants, like you know, a lot of the personal face-to-face type yeah. stuff where the, you, you get a chance to meet with fans. Um, a lot of business owners are fans of high school football and they choose to support the programs with, by hosting events. How much would, has this hurt your fundraising and, um, you know, what, what can you do to kind of offset some of those losses? Shoot, man, it's, it's hurt us tremendously, right? Like I usually have two or three fundraisers set up throughout the spring. Um, I think we're going to have to fundraise and fundraise during our season now. Uh, and usually I try to not do as much of that as, as a football coach. You think it's a little distracting, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's hurt us tremendously. And, uh, and just meeting and, and, you know, you ask these, like we said, there's a lot of these small town businesses will carry high school programs and it's good for me because they're surviving just to get through, you know, they're struggling just to get through right now. And then to ask them for money is not always the easiest thing. And, um, you know, what I would say is uh, try to, um, can you hear me? I'm sorry. Um, so what, what I would try to do is, you know, what you're talking about, sell your video, sell your video stuff, right. Uh, to people to be able to do this on a, on a daily basis, uh, or sorry, be able to sell your video on a Friday night and make money off of that, you know, because you worry about concession and making money there for your program if you and parking. So you got to try to figure out another way to do it. And, uh, you know, the video and selling your, your ultimate goal of, uh, playing football and getting them to buy into that. So maybe you use it a little bit higher on a ticket cost uh, on a Friday night so that you can raise money and explain that to fans. Yeah. And one, one other thing I wanted to ask you about um, over the course of the last few months, obviously racial inequality and police brutality has come to the forefront of the discussion. And I saw on your Twitter that you were using your platform to kind of engage in conversation and open the kind of open the discussion on that. What has that discussion been like for you uh, with your players? And, you know, it looked like you had reached out to the mayor. Have those types of discussions played out and are you satisfied with those? Uh, I don't think we can be completely satisfied by no means, but I think there's progress. Uh, I've mentioned numerous times, you know, you quote the, the play Hamilton, you know, this isn't a moment, this is a movement. And I think we have to just keep that energy throughout. I don't think we can get distracted um, in, in, in us 
by just the game of football and being enticed by that. Um, you know, you, you talk about LeBron James, you know, I'm not going to just, he's going to have his name on the back of his jersey because he's doing even more. And I think we have to keep that same focus as a coaching staff. And it's kind of weird. I want to get out. We did a community service event last weekend and, uh, but we're all wearing masks and gloves and social distancing for veterans. And uh, as long as we can keep a conversation going in, I think so many, I think so many racial and cultural barriers can be uh, put put down and to rest if we just talk and communicate and realize that everybody's human you know you can dislike somebody but a lot of the times that dislike comes from a lack of knowledge of who that person is and uh, just keeping my kids engaged uh, you know I've been fortunate enough I have brother-in-laws in the police department police departments and being able to hear their perspective on everything and explaining it to my kids and you know, that uh, what the role of the police officers are and, and being able to give my kids perspective the other way. And that, you know, I think this, and I said this from the very beginning, I, there is obviously police brutality going through, um, but this is a battle between good and evil. And we need to take that evil out of police departments that is being exposed. Uh, we need to take the evil out of, you know, the communities that we have. And I think we need to get out and the good needs to overtake it by doing good things in the community with the right people and communicating and talking to each other, getting in there and realizing there's a lot more good in this world than evil, but the evil is what is being uh, held to uh, uh, the media storyline at this point in time. So to say that we're satisfied, no, not by any means. Right. And uh, this isn't going to be a clear and, and, and easy uh, quote unquote mission as it was in the civil rights movement. I think a, the, the Voting Rights Act and all that stuff that was passed, that was a little bit easier. You, you can see, like we were talking about, you see the incentivized end uh, of the battle. This, this is a battle, I think, for social uh, and economic equality. And, our, and everybody around the world needs to see this. And my players are that next generation that need to make sure this is done the right way. It's my job to educate them, but also expose them so that they know more about the world and, and, and what's going on there. Yeah, absolutely. We have a, um, a weekly podcast where we uh, we end up like watching Friday Night Lights. I don't know. We started it during the pandemic. I don't know if you've seen the show, but it's about football. It was like something to do kind of, that was kind of fun during the pandemic is go back and rewatch that. Mm -hmm. So there was an episode last week where um, a coach said something about, you know, how a black player couldn't be a quarterback because he's just, you know, more athletic and doesn't um, kind of have the mental uh, capacity to play quarterback. And then the it was a big um, kind of outcry of, you know, this coach is racist during during the school. And so they hosted a forum and it and it went awful. It ended up with like a fist fight, and everybody's kind of going back and oh, forth. <laughs> what yeah. what should those? Um, because you want you want to hear from the players, and you want to give them a, a chance to voice how they're feeling about things. But you want it. You you don't want it to end like that with confrontation. What it what is? How do those discussions play out on your team? Yeah, and so that's where we. I think God has blessed us that we don't have a whole lot of that. Right? We are, and maybe that's. Uh, do the success we've had, but, you know, we pride ourselves on work, working in the weight room, uh, running and grinding outside together. So there is so much emphasis and so in our team as a whole uh, football that you are respected more, you're respected on merit before you're respected on anything else. You're respected on the work that you're going to put in on a daily basis more than anything else, regardless of skin color or anything like that. 
Obviously, there's some places and some older institutions that still keep that idea of uh, someone can't do this or lack of intellectual ability, this, that, and the other. But I think our game is so different in that, in that it does not matter about uh, skin color or background. It is all about ability uh, and your skills. And that's where you gain respect and honor uh, in the locker room. But that's our job as coaches, I believe, to educate our kids that let's try to make the world that way it is in the locker room. But understand, fellas, that's not how the world is right now. So don't walk out there and feel like it's going to be in the like it is in the locker room. That's our job to change the world to more be like our locker room is. It's not that way right now. That's what we're trying to change. So don't go out there with rose-colored glasses on and think that everything's going to be you know different. Our job is to educate people on why our game can be a teaching tool and people understanding that it doesn't matter if my quarterback is Hispanic, black, white. It's about is he the best football player out there to play that position to win us the games. And that's what we need everybody to understand. So how can we get that locker room mentality in the real world on a daily basis? But for them to not naively walk out, because at some point in time the game of football is going to tell you it's over with. Not many of us get to tell uh, the game of football you're done with it. And uh, they need to understand that when they're going into a job interview, that kind of stuff, they have to have a different mentality that's different than they've been around probably for a majority of their life. And in the football, everything is based upon merit because like you talked about earlier with mental health, you can be ultra successful in the football field, everything based upon merit. And then you leave and go into a job interview. And now they're looking at you and say, Hey, I have to interview you because you know, you're, you're an African American male or, you know, you have this, no, we need. I want this job because I'm, it's based upon merit, and that's what it's got to be. Yeah, it's an important message for sure, and I, I applaud you for uh, you know being comfortable enough to speak out about it and kind of challenge some of the um, the thoughts that are that are out there right now. I wanted to. Uh, you were making me. I mean, it's been such a crazy spring, but uh, with everything that's been going on yeah. and the pandemic and everything like that, and I guess. You know, if we, I have kids who are five and seven, so I'm going to remember the spring as like, the, you know, the remote learning and the um, the drive-by birthday parties and the uh, trips to the grocery store with the mask on and all that stuff. What, uh, how, will, yeah. how will you remember this spring? I will remember this spring as a father of a young girl that's about to turn three next month as the spring that I got to spend more time with her, you know, and really spend more time with my wife and the, and, and the little one, uh, you know, and just being able to get back time that I'll never get back. You know, at some point in time, we're going to go back full speed. Um, but I was able to spend all my time involved with her education, too, which is kind of cool. You know, I don't get to see her learn and get to do crafts and all that kind of stuff because it's usually done with her teachers. So that would be me just to know that I was able to spend some more time with her and and build an even closer relationship. Now she was uh, born the Monday of my first game as a head coach. Uh, uh, that Friday night, her and my wife were on the sidelines, so she knows nothing but football and being in the weight room and being around the guys and practice and everything. But my bond with her, I think, got closer because of this. So that'll be something in those years of her younger, you know, her younger years of her being able to be more impressionable i was able to be a lot more involved with it uh in because of this so and she's still into football she she enjoys being around the game uh, oh, she absolutely loves it you know uh she loves being we call it the boys and she knows you know 
her name's Campbell. Our quarterback's name is Cam. So she, you know, she's little Cam and he's big Cam and uh, being around, you know, our, our players, she just knows all. I mean, it's crazy. She's our, our defensive lineman, Desmond Washington. She calls him Des. He's in the weight room. He's power cleaning, you know, over 300 pounds and she's standing right behind him or right next to him. The weights are banging and uh, being loud and she's not, she's just not scared. She doesn't flinch. She just, she loves to be around. And I think it's just the excitement and commotion with all of it. You know, I had her in the weight room uh, before all the pandemic and they're teaching her how to turn the head of the water fountain and push the button. So the water sprays all over the place, you know, so I got to make sure they don't teach her any of the bad habits, but they're just close, right? She just, she's not going to grow up in a world where, she's going to see color or anything like that because she's going to grow up in a world of football and she loves to be around it and involved with it. That's awesome. Yeah. No, it's uh we've done a lot of stories on the way that uh, coaches kind of share their, their love of the game with their kids. And I think it's such a great bond to establish with them. And like you said, I, we, that we just posted a video to our Twitter today, which was, um, it was an ESPN personality. I think it's uh, Marty Davis or, but he was talking about, the importance of high school football. And it was a lot of what you're talking about in terms of learning to see the world a different way than you might not see it if you're, if you're not exposed to that stuff. So it is so important. Well, coach, um, I really appreciate you taking the, taking the time. This has been great to hear what you're, what you're up to with your program. I think our, our coaches, our listeners will gain a lot from hearing what one of the top programs in the country is doing. So I wish you continued success and hopefully we'll get to see you out on the field this fall. Yes, definitely. Thank you for your time. Stay safe, and and hopefully we can get back to the game of football here, and uh, you know, and, and can continue to change the world through this game, and uh, that's what we're hopeful for. And thank you for the exposure to uh, high school football that you guys put on a on a yearly basis. We really appreciate it. Well, thanks for saying that. And for any more on this story or any other, or excuse me, thanks for saying that. For for any more on this story or other stories, we encourage you to go to fnfcoaches.com. We'll be posting this uh, podcast on the website as well as all of our other podcasts. Coach, thanks again. We'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Take care. Yes, sir. You too. Bye. Eric Estep here. This episode is brought to you by Forney Industries. Get it done with green. Forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines, metalworking accessories, and more. For do-it-yourselfers all the way to professional metalworkers, Forney has everything you need for your next project. Shop Forney's top-of-the-line products at forneyind.com. That's Forney, F-O-R-N-E-Y, ind, I-N-D.com, or at an authorized Forney dealer near you.